Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a podcast from PJTN that focuses the light of truth on vital issues in today's headlines that impact every American. I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore, founder and president of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, and I'm here to educate, motivate, and activate you to action. I want to arm you with the truth and the facts you'll need to fight and preserve our constitutional republic and uphold the Judeo-Christian values our nation was founded upon. The geopolitics of the Middle East are ever-changing, and since 1948, Israel has been at the center of most of the controversy. Just over 10 years ago, who would have foreseen that former enemies such as Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and the Arab Emirates would align with Israel against the threat of Iranian aggression? On our program today, we'll hear from former Deputy Foreign Minister and Ambassador to the United States for Israel, Danny Ayalon on the history and progression of these shifting political winds. Hello, I'm Laurie Cardoza-Moore, founder of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and sharing the message of Christian biblical responsibility to the people and land of Israel in the face of a growing global anti-Semitism. Proclaiming Justice to the Nations was birthed to stop the silence, to wake up Christians and people of conscience to the realities of a world bent on destroying Israel and the Jewish people. How Israel has survived being surrounded by so many enemies is not only a miracle, but a true testament to the many men and women who have fought for her on and off the battlefield. Danny Ayalon is one such man. He's an Israeli diplomat, columnist, and politician who has faithfully served his country in war and peacetime. He was deputy foreign minister and a member of the Knesset. From 2002 to 2006, he served as Israeli ambassador to the United States. He gave me a very personal history of Israel's role in international politics. I was drafted into the military in the uh, beginning of 1974. In Israel, there is a universal draft and we're very proud of it. Uh, it gives a sense of responsibility and more connection to, to the land and solidarity. So I joined just uh, four months after the Yom Kippur War. I was spared. The class before me, uh, they suffered most of the, the casualties. So I joined right after. And I joined the, uh, the Armored Corps as they suffered most of the casualties. And I uh, rose through the ranks. I made a captain. And um, three and a half years, I uh, had, um, you know, active duty. And then reserve for 20 more years in the reserve. And I served mainly in the Sinai. Before we returned Sinai to Egypt, there is another example here where Israel is willing to do more than any other nation. We gave the Sinai back to the Egyptians three times, in 48, in 56, and after the Camp David Accord in 1979. But in 74, when I was there, we still had our positions in the Sinai desert, and we were like desert rats, but we were all very proud to do what we could to 
make sure that nobody will hurt our country. I never thought I would serve my people and my country in a political or a diplomatic capacity. It's uh, just like uh, King Saul who was looking for his uh, donkeys and he found uh, the kingdom as uh, the prophet uh, Samuel anointed him. Uh, I never thought I would uh, do that. Uh, and in 1989, something happened and kind of steered me to join the Foreign Service. And when I joined the Foreign Service, I realized this is my place. When uh, Sharon came to power and he made me his chief foreign policy advisor, I really learned firsthand how countries see themselves and how do they behave in circumstances that we find ourselves in. I really had the opportunity and the honor not only to represent my, my country and people, but also have meetings with world leader, leaders and understand how they see the situation. How would they do with their own country if that was under attack? And I vividly remember a meeting in the Oval Office between Ariel Sharon, which was the Prime Minister at the time, and President Bush, George W., where we were uh, just fighting Palestinian terror on a daily basis. There wasn't a day without suicide bombing that were coming to the restaurants, to high schools, to school buses bombing them. And it was terrible. And we had to defend ourselves. And the world would condemn us for defending ourselves. When we met with, with Bush, it was before 9-11, so we were not sure that the president would really understand firsthand what is the wrath of terror. So Sharon tried to explain by an analogy. And he said, Mr. President, you were the governor of Texas. So you know the, the border. You have this long border with Mexico. Just think, Mr. President, that uh, from the Mexican territory, there would be launching of uh, missiles to the centers of populations in Texas, or that they would infiltrate and come and explode in your midst, whether it's in Alamo, whether it's in uh, San Antonio, or anywhere else. And Sharon said, I'm sure, Mr. President, that if this was the case, all these attacks and terror from Mexico, in one hour, there wouldn't be Mexico. There was quiet in the room, and Bush looked at Sharon in the eyes, and he asked one word, which was, why? And we didn't know what he meant. So we asked, what do you mean by why? And Bush said, why one hour? In 10 minutes, there wouldn't be Mexico. And this is a powerful lesson about self-defense and about using a disproportional force in order to end a war. Just like President Truman had to end a war, a war which was so bloody, and he had to do it in disproportional force in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The same things the Allies did in Europe to really stop the Nazis. And, and this is the situation Israel is uh, finding itself. So all I'm asking is the same uh, understanding, the same rights that the international community accord any other country in the world should accord it to Israel. We don't need preferential treatment. We don't want to be treated better than any other country, but not worse. There is another issue of defensible borders. And there is another meeting between uh, Sharon and uh, President uh, Putin in the Kremlin.
where Putin was pushing Sharon to give up Judea and Samaria and the territories. And Sharon was defending and he's saying, how can we give the land? We are such a small country. How can we leave the land? We will not be able to defend ourselves. And Putin kept pushing. It's our interest. It's going to uh, um, bring some peace into the area, which of course we know it, uh, it doesn't. And uh, Sharon told him, but this is our land. Why would we give our land? And uh, Putin kept pressing. And especially Sharon was repeating the fact that we are a small country. How can we afford giving land? It didn't uh, really make any impression on Putin. So at the end of the day, Arik Sharon again looked Putin, to Putin at the eyes and, and he told him, we are such a small country and a small land and you want us to become even smaller. Let me ask you, Mr. President, Russia is so big, it's huge, yet you occupy this little speck of land, the Kuril Island, that you took from Japan, World War II. Why don't you give this uh, little land to the Japanese? And Putin, without betting an eye, said, how do you think Russia became so big? We never give up land. And then we said to Putin, maybe what's good for the Russians is also good for the Jews. This ended the, the conversation and the pressure from Putin to give up land. Another issue that only Israel among the nations has to deal with is claim our legitimacy and our, have to prove every day our ownership of the land. No other country has that. France doesn't have to prove that their land is French or British is a British land or any other country in the world. We as Jews are called Jews because we are from Judea. We have all the proof in the world, in the Bible, the history, in the archaeology, in the maps. And yet, there are all those who try to rewrite history and tell us we are not from that land. This land is Arab or Palestinians or whatever. Arabs are called Arabs because they are Arabia. They are from Arabia. So we have to get this into proportions. And uh, legitimacy is very important for every country. So, uh, so they will have respect from the other nations in their own homeland. And we still have to fight for that. But we did take some uh, encouragement when uh, we met the Pope a year before the millennia in 1999. We met uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, and he taught us a powerful lesson. He asked us in the meeting, if we knew what was the difference between Terra Santa, Holy Land, and Terra Promisa, the Promised Land. And without waiting for an answer, he told us, Terra Santa, the Holy Land, is holy for all religions. But it was promised only to the Jews. And when we asked him to say it publicly, of course, he said, I cannot do that. He was afraid for the life of Christians in the, the Middle East. And Christians in the Middle East are being persecuted by Islam, radical Islam, whether it's in Turkey, whether it's in Iran, whether it's the Copts in Egypt, whether they are in Bethlehem. When Bethlehem was under Jewish-Israeli control, the population of Bethlehem was 75% Christians. We had to leave, again, giving land for peace, in 1994, the Oslo Accord, 
we gave Bethlehem to Arafat and the Palestinians. Well, today, less than 20 years uh, later, the population of Christians in Bethlehem is only 7%. They were harassed and they had to leave. The only place in the Middle East where Christians are flourishing, are practicing their faith, are growing in numbers is Israel. And yet, the most powerful uh, Catholic high priest in the world, in the land, could not say what is obvious to every believer, whether it's Jew or Christian, because of political expediency, because the threat from radical Islam. And there is here a major double standard. Double standard that Islam can attack and ridicule our Messiah or ridicule our rabbis or ridicule our priests or kill them. And we can hardly do anything to, to protect it. Uh, a very salient, conspicuous example is the fact that Muslims are allowed to build mosques all over the world. All over the world, in Europe, in the United States, in Israel. Yet, if you try to build a church or a synagogue in Arab land, they won't allow that. There is no reciprocity whatsoever, and we take it for granted. This is the world we live in. This is the world Israel faces. And I hope that there will be a reckoning for all countries, decent countries, Christian countries, uh, democratic countries, to stand by Israel, just like the United States has been. And the U.S. is our best friend and ally. And I believe we are blessed by that. And I believe also the U.S. is blessed by that. I want to take you to Israel in pictures and film. I want you to see how God's sovereign hand can be seen before our eyes right here in this land. That's why PJTN is offering a special anniversary package that includes a captivating new book and award-winning DVD. Israel Rising is a unique visual story of Israel's miraculous journey from unforgiving desert to thriving nation. Thousands of years ago, the prophet Ezekiel foretold a future time in which the arid land of Israel would come alive for its people. Now this breathtaking book documents the fulfillment of this vision as rarely seen photographs from the 1880s to the 1940s are juxtaposed with recent photos of the same locations. This book will inspire and captivate you as it illuminates Israel's foretold awakening in a new and unforgettable way. In addition, you'll receive the award-winning documentary, Israel Indivisible, The Case for the Ancient Homeland. This inspiring film examines the many political twists and turns that make Israel the world's most controversial nation. From Abraham and the Promise to the issues facing the Jewish state today, the film examines the historical, archaeological, legal, and biblical foundations for the modern state of Israel. This is a limited time offer for these two remarkable resources for just a one-time gift of $70 today. Your generous donation will help ensure that PJTN stays on the front lines and in the headlines of all the important issues facing Israel and our Jewish brethren. So please go to PJTN.org today. From studying history, it's very clear that what starts with the Jews never ends only with the Jews we must strongly stand against any anti-Semitic trends. For if not stopped, they'll cause harm to all of us, and we'll witness the downfall of our Judeo-Christian Western culture. Today, many people say 
there's no longer a need for a Jewish state, that Jews around the world no longer need a place of refuge. But anyone who has heard recent statistics about the worldwide rise in anti-Semitism would never make such a claim. The reality is that neo-Nazi groups and Nazi sympathizers are increasing around the world. Surveys show that over one billion people in the world harbor anti-Semitic attitudes. Close to 50% believe that Jews have too much power in the business world, and two-thirds of the world's population has never heard of the Holocaust, or believe the historic accounts of it are inaccurate. Don't let yourself be manipulated by evil people with a wicked agenda. When the self-serving villains are in control, good people from all religions suffer. Muslims, Christians, and all people of conscience should stand proudly and show respect for a country that gives so much to the world in so many ways. Do your part, do your research, and do what you can to make a difference. Because what happens in Israel does affect us all. This is not just a Jewish or just an Israeli problem. This is a problem for all humanity, for each and every one of us who believe in freedom and human rights. Learn more about what you can do at PJTN.org. Well, the geopolitics of the Middle East are very tenuous, and these are like shifting dunes. Uh, there are no allies that we can really depend uh, on or trust. We are one Jewish state, which uh, the size of New Jersey, 0.3% of the Middle East, surrounded by 22 Arab countries and then Muslim countries, which want to do away with us because they see us as the only block towards Europe and then the United States for this uh, world of Islam that they are still dreaming of. And also they see us as a representative of the Judeo-Christian heritage, the only democracy with the values that we have in the Middle East, and they would not like that to spread. So what we see today is that we have problems on our southern border with Hamas, and this is in Gaza. We left Gaza in 2005 giving all the land to the Palestinians, including excruciatingly painful exercise where we uprooted 8,500 Jews, three generations who lived there. When Sharon came to power and in 2005, he thought together with President Bush, 43, George W., to try and find a different solution. And we thought, okay, we will give them the land. The entire Gaza Strip will give to the Palestinians. Let's see what they do with it. Will they live in peace with us, you know, with economic projects? We were willing to give a lot to facilitate and help the Gaza economy. We left Gaza altogether to the last inch. There were 21 Jewish communities in Gaza. Hamas took over. They burned all the infrastructure that we left, including greenhouses that could have really given a lot of livelihood to the, to the Palestinians, and immediately brought in a lot of arms, mainly from Iran, and with money from Iran, and immediately started launching attacks on us. We gave land 
in the West Bank. 40% of the West Bank is Palestinian, with a Palestinian authority. And this was after the far-reaching um, opportunity that was given to them by Barak. Not only they did not accept it, a thousand Israelis were killed from 2000 to 2003 because of Palestinian terror coming from Ramallah and all the Palestinian uh, towns that we gave it to them. So we know for sure now it's not a matter of the land. It's a matter of the Palestinian recognition that we are there legitimately by our own right. This is our land. We were willing to share this land even though, as I mentioned, no people in the world were voluntarily giving land or sharing land. We were willing to do that. But they have never accepted. And I believe it's also it's also a heavenly sign that we are not to give the land and also, also, if we gave the land and they had accepted it, we would not be here today. There is another example, another precedent in history. When the people of Israel and Moses came to Pharaoh, Pharaoh in Egypt, asking him, let my people go, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh and the consequences were obvious. The same thing I see here every time. We come to the Palestinians and beseech them. Let's have peace. We are willing to do everything for peace. Their heart is hardened and we gain out of this. We know that we are there in our home and we are willing to do everything in our power to defend it. Not only from the biblical uh, uh, perspective, but also from international legality of today. Article 55 in the UN gives us the right for self-defense. We have uh, a changing situation in the north. Not only Hezbollah from Lebanon, but Iran now is taking over Syria, trying to open a second front for us. And Iran actually has um, taken uh, advantage of the civil war in, uh, in Syria and, and just entrenching, moving in. The Russians step in. And they're helping Assad. So Assad is now still in power and stronger. And the Iranians, um, they're just bringing in, advancing their missiles, accurate missiles, advancing all their intelligence uh, equipment and, uh, and, uh, and terrorists, you know, the Revolutionary Guard. So it's not just the Hezbollah in Lebanon. Now we have also Iranians in Syria. And this is something which we cannot allow. Unfortunately, we face grave threats and dangers. And it's the same motivation of radical Islam, whether it's Iran, who wants to do away with America and with Israel, whether it's ISIS, who wants to do away with America and with Israel, with Jews and Christians. ISIS is the extreme Sunni. Iran and Hezbollah are the extreme Shi'i. Shi'i and Sunnis do not get along by only their one issue. And this is the destruction of the West, of the Judeo-Christian heritage. So I think it's only natural, the alliance between Israel and the United States, as we keep a strong front against those who attack our values and our way of uh, lives. And this cooperation that we have, intelligence sharing, tactical and operational um, um, operations, 
um, of course, strategic cooperation is something that, of course, is making Israel very strong, but also the United States benefits out of it. Many American lives have been saved by either Israeli intelligence or Israeli technology. So the bond between us is, first of all, a, a bond of faith and of values. And then it's a bond of strategic importance, economic importance, and, and prosperity. The relationship is unique. And it's based, first and foremost, on values that are very strongly rooted in the Judeo-Christian heritage. So, Laurie, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I bring the gratitude of all Israelis for the great work you do, leading the PJTN, proclaiming justice in, to the nations, and calling for the right things, uh, fighting all those false narratives who are trying to delegitimize Israel and boycott Israel and the, and the Jewish people. Your education of Christians and Jews alike is second to none. And this organization will go from strength to strength, and I'm sure it will continue to be supported. You need all the resources to keep doing what you do, which is so important. And you are one against many, many, many BDS organizations and anti-Jewish, anti-Christian, uh, anti-Israeli and Zionist. And what you do, you have the strength and the talent to really defend us all against all these organizations. And the more resources you have, the more you'll continue to, to do what you need to do. And again, thank you very much. And keep up doing this great job that you have been doing. Well, that's our program for today. And I want you to know we appreciate your support. The time to take a stand is now. Be a leader in your community and in your church. One person can make a difference. Get involved with and support pro-Israel organizations such as PJTN. Call your senators, congressmen, let your elected leaders hear from you. Visit our website to learn more. Sign up to receive free action alerts and order our films to share with family and friends. Please encourage everyone you know to tune in and become informed. If you're interested in starting a local PJTN chapter to combat anti-Semitism in your community, please contact us at info at pjtn.org. God bless you, and thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren and all Israel. We'll see you next time on Focus on Israel. To support this program, send your tax-deductible gift to Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, P.O. Box 682711, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. You can also support PJTN online. Visit PJTN.org or call 1-877-873-9020. Anti-Semitism has reached epic proportions, and Israel is now surrounded by nations who seek its destruction. For Israel to lose just one battle would mean losing everything. As Christians, it is our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and Israel. PJTN needs your help to reach more Christians with this urgent message. Please visit our website to become a member today and order our award-winning documentaries. You must decide that you won't be silent. 
Sign up now at pjtn.org. God bless you and thank you for your support and prayers. Thank you again for joining me on this edition of Proclaiming Justice. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit our website at pjtn.org. As a PJTN watchman, you can help us keep up the fight to preserve our freedom for our children and their children for such a time as this.